No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you were tuned into His Hardline. Welcome. Glad to have you all here. Don't forget to check out the website, www.hishardline.com. This is the only place where you're going to get God and Jesus Christ mixed in with a little true history of America, mixed in with instructions on how to assemble your nation. We're here to implement solutions that will help restore this republic. But most importantly, we're also here to help America and the rest of the world to invite Jesus Christ into their heart. It's time to take back our nation. It's time to take back our world, ladies and gentlemen. And you can find us here six out of the seven days a week. So be sure to share this with your friends and family. Don't forget, don't forget. Sovereignty itself is, of course, not subject to law, for it is the author and source of law. But in our system, while sovereign powers are delegated to the agencies of government, sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom all government exists and acts. Welcome to His Heart Line, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. <laughs> yeah. Let's get rocking. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Wherever you're at in the world, I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side. Because, well, they are the uh, host. They're the boss. They're in charge. They're the CEO of this joint. They are the ones that uh, really pretty much run this show. They are at the wheel. Therefore, they are steering this ship through these crazy waters that we call life. So welcome. Glad to have you all here. It is Tuesday, January 10th, 2023, not 22, 2023. We'll make sure we get that right today. And so welcome to His Hard Line. Glad to have you all here. I am Jason, again, your co-host. So I hope everybody had a great Tuesday so far. I tell you, they're, um, I got I to gotta start the show off uh, just with just, you know, putting out there if you didn't see on my telegram and my true social uh something that's completely not related to the assembly not related to you know anything of you know of the sorts but um you know as you all know i haul fuel i haul fuel for a living i drive a huge gas tanker and we have a partner fleet that our manager manage you know that he also runs on top of the fleet that we have here uh where i'm at and unfortunately yesterday roughly around 3 30 in the afternoon um, one of our fellow drivers, not somebody I knew, uh, very well, I should say, I'm going to just be completely honest. Cause I'm not going to make it seem like, uh, we were best friends or anything like that, but I knew Dustin, he, I'm going to keep his last name out just for, you know, uh, privacy purposes. But, um, you know, he was, uh, he worked night shift. That's predominantly one of the reasons why I didn't know him very well. I worked day shift. He works night shift, but we crossed paths many times. I know exactly who he is. He's a father of two young children and a wife and 
They had just bought a new house, I believe, about a year and a half ago, and he was so excited about that. You know, he was just so happy and ecstatic about that. And unfortunately, around 3.30 yesterday afternoon, he was loaded up for his first delivery to go out. And uh, unfortunately, a propane tank, a uh, propane truck, I should say, um, crossed the center median, which is a very large median. Uh, that guy was also loaded and went head on and collided with um, our friend Dustin. And it killed both men. Uh, the propane driver killed him instantly. Um, but uh, Dustin, uh, sadly, uh, when they took him to the hospital, he later died of his injuries. So I just want to make sure that I remember to keep his family and Dustin, of course, and our prayers at the end of this, because I can only imagine, I mean, it's, I'm very sad for Dustin, but I'm very heartbroken and sad for the family. I'm heartbroken for the wife. I'm heartbroken for the family, the kids that are left behind. It's such a sad thing to hear when somebody, you know, uh, leaves this earth and, and, and specifically really leaves a family too prematurely. You know, I mean, we're talking really little kids. We're not even talking teenagers and just out of the house almost. I mean, we're talking little kids that still need a foundation of mom and dad in the house. And so I really, I really feel for the family. And so it just, I, I just wanted to kind of, you know, start out there and, and, uh, say that we're going to be keeping them in our prayers at the end of this show. So, you know, trucking is a very dangerous job. Let me tell you what, um, that's one of my biggest fears. And I know the Bible does say 365 plus times fear not. Um, I don't fear death, but what I do fear in all honesty, if I can be really transparent is the fact that, um, is the thought of leaving behind my wife and my daughter at such a young age, you know, um, death never really bothered me. I, I should say it doesn't bother me anymore. It used to, but it doesn't anymore. But now that I'm a married man, the thought of leaving them behind uh, really sucks. Now, on the contrary to that, though, if I can bring a little light of that subject, hopefully Dustin was like me. He was a very smart man. Hopefully he took care of his family. Um, because I tell you what, um, if I ever was, uh, you know, taken out you know, via truck accident, you know, and I was you know, God said, no, time for you to come home, my man. So we're going to take you out with this truck. My wife would be okay. <laughs> we'll just say that. I think she would be grieving me while in Bora Bora, uh, in an overwater bungalow with my daughter. And, uh, because that is one of our, you know, that's one of her favorite places that she's always wanted to go. So, you know, there it is. So yeah, my wife would be just fine. I think she would, uh, easily grieve me. No problem. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, she would actually be very heartbroken. Wouldn't matter if it, you know, if the life insurance yielded her, you know, a hundred million dollars, she would, she would just absolutely hate the fact that I was gone because she'd rather have me here over the hundred million. I think, I don't know. Let me get back to you on that. But anyway, so I, I feel very sorry for the family. So we're going to keep them in our prayers at the end of this. So today's episode on 411 here at His Our Line, we're going to be reading out of Isaiah chapter 45. And then we're going to talk a little bit about um, the Constitution. And I've been wanting to do this for some time. Um, we're going to be going through each article and subsections of the constitution. We're going to start obviously with the article one and, you know, it's going to obviously take some time. I'm not going to re read the whole thing in one show cause that would take forever, but it is something that I think people really need to start hearing. They really need to start listening to, because let's face it. A lot of people won't take the time and read it themselves or reread it and then reread it again. See, Donald Trump always said, we need to do everything according to the rule of law. Okay. We need to do everything according to law and the constitution keeps our 
well, what should be our public servants in check. Well, they're not keeping themselves in check, uh, at least not to the point that we need them to. And so this is one of the biggest reasons why we need to assemble our our states, because we it is up to the people who impanel common law grand juries to investigate and to um impanel grand juries to uh to to trial you know put put some of these usurping people on trial people who commit crimes against humanity people who usurp their powers and um, pretty much stomp all over the american people that is up to we the people to hold these people accountable now sadly we don't have enough people yet to get this done but it is quickly moving in that direction and then what we're also going to be doing is i'm going to be playing this might be a little bit of a longer show than i anticipate it's going to definitely go a little bit past eight o'clock i'm sure but that's okay because my wife and daughter they're in florida so i'm going to break my rule of one hour just for today um, but i do have some um you know i do have some uh audio pieces i do want to play one's 13 minutes one's about three-ish minutes and then the other two are very very short clips um and they're from the show lights of the round table by Susanna mahoney who did a show last week friday um she invited myself on that show um as well as destry i couldn't i respectfully declined because i was in florida visiting and i did not want to take up my my family's time by being on a two-hour show so uh, but what was interesting is uh, Lloyd Brunson was on that show, well, was supposed to be on that show, but then something happened where he couldn't be on. So his one of his brothers, uh, Darren Brunson, was on the show, and then Destry was on. And then um, we were able to uh, get Kirk from Kirk's Law Corner on that show. And it was a very interesting show. And in fact, it was an outstanding show. So I, I'm going to be playing a couple clips from that, but if you want to hear the whole uh, in you know the whole roundtable discussion, um, I would suggest um, I'll post the link again on Telegram. I already posted it, and I, I don't think I did it on True Social, but you can go on Rumble and look up Lights of the Roundtable, L-I-T-E-S, I believe is how it's spelled, Lights of the Roundtable, um, and that show is up. But I'll post the link again. Very great show. Check it out. It's about almost two hours long. So what I'm just going to give you today is a couple of highlights that I felt like uh, are very noteworthy to uh, play on the air here and kind of commentate on it. But let's get right into the reading first before we get into that discussion. So again, we're going to be reading out of Isaiah chapter 45. And then we're going to talk about, um, you know, the Constitution, read a little bit out of the Constitution. Here's some article, you know, um, here's some clips from that show and explain why all of this is important today. So let's read out of the New American Standard Bible, chapter 45, again, Isaiah. And it starts with, <clears throat> this is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand to subdue nations before him and to undo the weapons belt on the waist of kings, to open doors him excuse me, yeah, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make you make the rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. For the sake of of Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my chosen one, I have also called you by your name. I have given you a title of honor, though you have not known me. I am the Lord, and there is no one else. There is no God except me. I will arm you, though you have not known me, so that people may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. 
I am the Lord, and there is no one else. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating disaster. I am the Lord who does all these things. Drip down heavens from above and let the clouds pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up and salvation bear fruit and righteousness sprout with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. A piece of pottery among the other earth-wearing pottery pieces. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, he has no hands. Woe to him who says to the father, what are you fathering? Or to a woman, to what are you giving birth? This is what the Lord says in the Holy One of Israel and his maker. Ask me about the things to come concerning my sons, and you shall commit to me the work of my hands. It is I who made the earth and created mankind upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands, and I ordained all their lights. I've stirred him in righteousness, and I will make all his ways smooth. He will build my city and let my exiles go free without any payment or reward, says the Lord of armies. This is what the Lord says. The products of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and the Sabaeans, men of stature, will come over to you and will be yours. They will walk behind you. They will come over in chains and will bow down to you. They will plead with you. God certainly is with you and there is no one else, no other God. Truly you are God who hides himself, God of Israel, Savior. They will put to shame and even humiliate all of them. And the manufacturers of idols will go away together in humiliation. Israel has been saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You will not be put to shame or humiliated to all eternity. For this is what the Lord says. He who created the heavens, he is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it as a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no one else. I've spoken in secret. In some dark land, I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, Seek me in the wasteland. I, the Lord, speak righteousness, declaring things that are right. Gather yourselves and come. Come together, you survivors of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry around their wooden idol and pray to a God who cannot save. Declare and present your case. Indeed, let them consult together who has announced this long ago. Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back, that to me every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say to me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. People will come to him, and all who were angry at him will be put to shame. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel will be justified and will boast. And that is the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, verses 1 through 25. So, prophecy or history. Now, the prophecy concerning Cyrus, king of Persia, is actually one of controversy among scholars. And many claim that since the details listed are so accurate with what occurred in history, Isaiah could not have written it. After all, who could know the future so precisely? 
Now, God says that he has appointed the things that have been, are, and will be. And he has plainly told his people that the past, the present, the future, through the scriptures and prophets, that is God's claim. Now, scholars and critics, and regrettably some Christian academics, deny this claim. And they they take these prophecies, like the one about Cyrus, and draw the conclusion that those verses must have been written after the event occurred. Or events, I should say. Now, the prophets were not foretelling the future. They were commentating on the spiritual implications of the past. Now, in other words, they fail to believe that God can and does predict the future. But the scriptures must be read with faith. Now, without it, you cannot expect to perceive them correctly. Now, if you believe that Jesus is not the Son of God, then no matter how many verses you read stating that he is the Son, you will not be convinced to change your mind. Now, if you want to find something in the Bible, you can easily find it. There are more than enough verses that you can take out of context, and it happens often, to derive almost any belief or doctrine. Hence why I think there's so many religions. Now, that is why... It's important to understand the scriptures, which is why I actually want to have Tim Parker come on, um, who happens to be a scholar in uh, theology and knows the Bible, uh, I think, better than anybody I know. And so, you know, it's important that we must be willing to set aside any expectation and read it for, you know, what it is, which, you know, is a book. And as you read it, let it speak to you. Let it form your opinions about God and how he works instead of your opinions forming how you interpret the scriptures. When God says that he has, from the beginning of time, proclaimed the, you know, the future, consider this. Consider the fact that he might have done so, right? Seek it out. Find out if it's true. Jason, how do I do that? Well... Pray for discernment. Don't immediate dis, you know. Don't immediately discredit the book of Isaiah to a you know a later historical prophet because events that occur almost one hundred and fifty years after Isaiah's time are described. You see, the Dead Sea Scrolls are proof enough of the prophetic you know the prophetic nature of God's word, and in the Old Testament, it contains prophecies regarding Jesus Christ. The fact that it was written before Jesus even came, quite frankly, it's pretty hard to dismiss if we can be all, you know, honest with it. You know, Jesus fulfilled every prophecy concerning him around the Old Testament. Now, it would be hard for a historian to write something that had not yet occurred. So there is proof enough that God is who he says he is, and both in character and in deed. And he can predict the future because he has done so in the past. Now, if we cannot trust that Isaiah, through God, was able to foresee the future, then we cannot trust the book of Revelation or Matthew chapter 24 or any other scriptures that point to events in the future. You know, God gave us a roadmap. We need to trust that he knows what he's talking about and just believe. But for some reason, that seems to be a very, very hard thing for a lot of people to do. <clears throat> so
So as we break this down, actually, let me see here. I'm trying to think how I want to go about doing this. I think what we're going to do is we're going to, for now, skip the breaking down the verse by verse commentary. And we'll get into the actual discussion because, again, I don't want to make the show too uh, lengthy because there's a lot to get to. So what we are going to do is we'll take a quick little break and then we are going to continue our discussion regarding the Constitution and the Brunson case and with Kirk's Long Corner and what was discussed on the show that occurred Friday with the lights of the round table. So we will be right back. So, if some of you happen to miss the show on Friday, Lights of the Roundtable, it was a live video stream that Susanna Mahoney did. Um, she is a uh, she lives in Florida, there <clears throat> on the southwest part of the state. In fact, she's going to be uh, reaching out uh, to uh, my mom, who is uh, the communication secretary down there, and because she wants to join her assembly, uh, Kirk. Pendergrass with Kirk's Law Corner. He is going to be um, joining, uh, or excuse me, not joining, but he is going to be heading up and leading the charge in his state of Idaho to assemble their state, his state. Um, and Susanna knows a friend of hers out in Washington state that is comprised with a bunch of firefighters and uh, I believe, I don't know if they're former active or like retired army rangers or rangers in general. She didn't say army rangers, but rangers. Maybe they could be park rangers. I don't know. Um, but there's over 50 plus people out in Washington state that are ready to assemble their state. So there is there is a lot going on. The problem is, is just getting the manpower to each of these states in a designated amount of time to get them assembled so we can rightfully get our 38 states. Now, <clears throat> trying to think how I really want to go about doing this with this conversation. So I think, so first off, let's do this. So I want to read before we get into the, the sound bites, because the constitution is a very important document. Why? Well, the constitution separates it. It, it pretty much states what the, you know, what the different branches of government are allowed to do and not able to do. Uh, it's kind of uh, it basically shackles and puts restraints, if you will, on the legislative, the judicial and the executive branches. Now, like I've always said, God created man and it's not coming from me. OK, I'm just parroting this because it's the way it is. Now, God created man and man created government. OK, now with government, you have to set parameters to make sure that they don't abuse their power and steamroll the American people. 
Okay, our Constitution is one of the most unique constitutions in the world. And it is set up with, it's set up and honestly inspired by God's law, natural law. So what I'm going to do, because Article 1 is pretty lengthy, there's, uh, let's see, there's 10 sections here, I want to say. Yeah, there's 10, 9, yeah, there's 10 sections. What we're going to do is I'm going to cover the first five in today's show, and then tomorrow we'll do the second half, and so on and so forth, and we'll get into Article 2. So the first article, which is regarding the legislative powers. Now, I'll start off by what it says right here. In the preamble, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Article 1, Section 1. It says, hold on, my computer wants to be stupid here. Hold on, guys. For some reason, something likes to act up once in a while. There we go. All right. Now, Section 1. Article 1, Section 1. All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and a House of Representatives. Section 2. The House of Representatives shall be composed of members chosen every second year by the people of the several states, and the electors in each state shall have the qualifications requisite for electors of the most numerous branch of the state legislature. No person shall be a representative who shall not have attained to the age of 25 years and been seven years a citizen, capital C, by the way, capital C, that's important, that's people like you and I, seven years a citizen of the United States and who shall not when elected be an inhabitant of the state of that state in which he shall be chosen representatives and direct taxes shall be appointed among the several states which may be included within this union according to their respective numbers which shall be determined by adding to the whole number of free persons including those bound to service for a term of years and excluding Indians not taxed three-fifths of all other persons the actual enumeration shall be made within three years after the first meeting of the Congress of the United States and within every subsequent term of ten years, in such manner as they shall by law direct. The numbers of representatives shall not exceed one for every 30,000, but each state shall have at least one representative until such enumeration shall be made, and the state of New Hampshire shall be entitled to choose three. Massachusetts, eight. Rhode Island and Providence Plantations, one. Connecticut, five. New York, six. New Jersey, four. Pennsylvania, eight. Delaware, one. Maryland, six. Virginia, ten. North Carolina, five. South Carolina, five. And Georgia, three. When vacancies happen in the representation from any state, the executive authority thereof shall issue writs of election to fill such vacancies. Now, I want you to listen to this again, guys. I'm going to repeat this two more times because this gets brought up in the conversation. And I've listened to this conversation, all two hours of it, three different times. Kirk brings up these writs. Now, first off, real quick, let's go to the 1828 Noah Webster's Dictionary, the Webster Dictionary, 1828.com. What is a writ? Let's type it in. W-R-I-T, writ. 
or writ. At which is written in this sense, writ is particularly applied to the scriptures or books of the Old Testament and New Testament as a holy writ, a sacred writ. Definition number two, in law, precept issued from the proper authority to the sheriff, his deputy or other subordinate officer, commanding him to perform some act as to summon a defendant into court to answer and the like. In England, writs are issued from some court under seal. In some of the United States, writs are issued by any single judge or justice of the peace in the name and by the authority of the Senate. Now, in some of the United States, the writ in a civil suit contains both the summons and the plaintiff's declaration or cause of action set forth at large, and a writ is either a summons or an attachment. Writs are original or judicial. An original writ in England is issued from the High Court of Chancery. A judicial writ is issued by order of the court upon a special occasion during the dependency of a suit. So that is what a writ is. It's basic, it's a legal instrument. Okay. Now, so I'm going to repeat this little section here under, you know, it's at the end of section two, article one, section two. When vacancies happen in the representation from any state, the executive authority, which, by the way, part of the executive authority is the military. The executive authority thereof shall issue writs of election to fill such vacancies. I'm going to repeat that one more time without the disruption. When vacancies happen in a representation from any state, the executive authority thereof shall issue writs of election to fill such vacancies. Continuing, the House of Representatives shall choose their speaker and other officers and shall have the sole power of impeachment. Section 3. The Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators from each state chosen by the legislature thereof for six years, and each senator shall have one vote. Immediately after, they shall be assembled in consequence of the first election. They shall be divided as equally as may be into three classes. The seats of the senators in the first class shall be vacated at the expiration of the second year, of the second class of the expiration of the fourth year, and of the third class at the expiration of the sixth year, so that that one-third may be chosen every second year. And if vacancies happen by resignation or otherwise during the recess of the legislation of any state, the executive thereof may be temporary, may make temporary appointments until the next meeting of the legislature, which shall then fill such vacancies. No person shall be a senator who shall not have attained to the age of 30 years and been nine years a citizen of the United States and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of the state for which he shall be chosen. The vice president of the United States shall be president of the Senate, but shall have no vote unless they be equally divided. The Senate shall choose their other officers and also a president pro tempore in the absence of the vice president or when he shall exercise the office of President of the United States. The Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments when sitting for that purpose. They shall be an oath or affirmation when the President of the United States is tried, and the Chief Justice shall preside, and no person shall be convicted without the concurrence of two-thirds of the members present. 
judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further to the removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States, but the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. Section 4. The times, place, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof, but the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations except as to the places of choosing senators. The Congress shall assemble at least once every year, and such meeting shall be on the first Monday in December unless they shall by law appoint a different day. Section 5. Each house shall be the judge of the elections, returns and qualifications of its own members, and a majority of each shall constitute a quorum to do business, but a smaller number may adjourn from day to day and may be authorized to compel the attendance of absent members in such manner and under such penalties as each house may provide. Now, each house may determine the rules of its proceedings, punish its members for disorderly behavior, and with the concurrence of two-thirds, expel a member. Each house shall keep a journal of its proceedings and from time to time publish the same expecting such parts as may in their judgment require secrecy and the yeas and nays of members of either house or, or excuse me, the yeas and nays of the members of either house on any question shall at the desire of the one fifth of those present be entered on the journal. Neither house during the session of Congress shall without the consent of of the other adjourn for more than three days, nor to any other place than that in which the two houses shall be sitting. So those are the first five sections of Article 1, which is, again, explaining and enumerating here the powers of the legislature. Tomorrow we will continue section six through ten, and then we'll, we, you know, and then obviously the next day we'll begin with Article Two. Now, again, the reason I'm reading the Constitution is because most people, and 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 I know actually you guys here probably do. Okay, you guys probably read the Constitution, but let's be honest. Now, I'm, what we're trying to do is I'm trying to make it easier for people by putting this in a in a in a you know in an audio format. And yes, there is hundreds and thousands of other areas where people can listen to the Constitution be read to them. I'm trying to give it out in bite-sized pieces in the form of a podcast so it's a little bit easier to digest. Now, the reason I'm also reading this is because not only do most people not take the time to do it, but it is also very important with what's happening with the assembly and um, also to kind of provide context here with why the Supreme Court threw out the Brunson case. Because again, they don't have any subject matter jurisdiction. They have no standing. The, the judges, the courts have no standing to rule and go against the Constitution in this manner. So the first soundbite I'm going to play, is about, it's about 13 minutes, but it's a very great exchange. I feel that this is a very highlightable, if that's such a word, but a very highlightable section of the show that I think you all need to hear. So before 
the beginning of the show was an opener uh, of of Darren Brunson talking about the case and what was going on, and then it went to Kirk and he went to go explaining and reading the law as it's written, the letter of the law, and referred and referenced cases. And then went back to say, okay, now, Darren, what do you think of all that? And then what they did is they went back and forth kind of almost in a role-playing situation where Darren was saying, well, if I'm the judge and if I were to say to you, Kirk, yada, 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 what would you respond to me then? Because Kirk from Kirk's Law Corner, by the way, kirkslawcorner.com, is very, very knowledgeable and he's been studying law and he knows military law. He's been doing this since 1995, if I recall correctly. But let's give this 13-minute piece a quick listen, okay? Very, very important and very just informative. Let's give this a quick listen. If not, it should be presented in the usual manner. So. Now we have a kind of a brief overview of the law and what the letter of the law actually says as it is written. What do you think? Yeah, may I? Yes. Um, now, my question to you is hypothetical. Let's say that you are our judge and you got this complaint uh, alleging six causes of action under the oath of office against President Biden Harris and all the members of Congress. And let's say the defendants, the attorney for the defendants, uh, the, you know, the, the uh, federal attorney, uh, he says, hey, the Brunsons, they don't have Article Three standing. And, and then in response to that, I argue and I say, standing? Well, in this situation, that's the only thing that you're, the only reason why you bring up standing or an article three standing is to give you immunity from our claim because we're we're arguing that first we have the right to come to court for a redress of grievances and we we are showing you how that you violated the oath of office here are the six causes of action that you have not only violated your oath of office but you failed to investigate the enemy who is basically an act of war so you basically are guilty of treason now, you being the judge, how would you have handled that argument from us? Or how would you have handled the argument from both sides? Well, again, judges are supposed to uphold the law, right? And grant relief based on the demands. Now, your demand for relief has to be before the proper body having the power to make that, to, to grant you that relief. And the judicial branch, first of all, doesn't have subject matter jurisdiction. Which is what's been told to Sidney Powell and, and, and the rest of them trying to go to the judicial branch for this. So I can't grant you the relief that you're seeking because I don't have that power. My hands are tied. Now, here's the problem. They're not telling us that they why they don't have subject matter jurisdiction. And they're also not telling like they did in Hale versus Hinkle. They flat out said. You got to go to the legislature for that. There's a reserved right. The rights are the law. And the right dictates that we go to the legislature as a rule of law and due process of law. We all, you know, we complain about, uh, well, they're violating our rights to due process of law. Well, now that's what they're claiming, that you're violating their rights to due process of law. Now, my, my question as a judge, I would say, okay, where's your election petition? And here's what I could do if you brought me a writ of mandamus and you can prove that you filed the election petition and they ignored it. I can 
grant you your writ of mandate and make it mandatory they discharge the duties of their office and do an investigation as you've instructed them. I could do that as a judge because writs are common law writs and under original jurisdiction, they can grant writs, but a writ of certiorari is just a simple question of whether or not the trial court erred, made any errors. Okay. And then did the Supreme or did the appellate court, did they overlook the errors? Did the Supreme Court overlook these errors and not remand it back down to the trial court for trial? Because okay. the Supreme Court and the appellate court, only the trial court can find guilt. Right. You got to have trial by jury and jury gives the consent, the finding of guilt. So basically what I hear you're saying is if you're Brunson in this case, what you would have done is you would have gotten the certificate first before you would have filed the action against the defendants in this case. Correct. So how it's supposed to work from the letter of the law is you would file the election petition. That calls them into peaceably assemble so that we can consult for our common good. And we instruct them to do an investigation to verify our claims that there's fraud going on here, that the executive branch did not follow the laws of its creation from the legislature. So the legislature does the investigations and gathers the evidence. I mean, we see uh, Congress doing hearings all the time. That's the same thing. Mason's Manual Legislative Procedure, Part 10, the power of the legislature to do investigations, okay? Mm -hmm. And Hale versus Hinkle, there's a reserved right in the legislature to do an investigation to see if they've exceeded the laws of their creation. They were instructed, the executive branch, by the legislature to discharge the duties, execute the law regarding elections. So when they don't do that, and I'm, I'm speaking of uh, the legislature, when they don't do as they're instructed by the election petition. Now, as the judge sitting at the Supreme Court of the United States or whichever of, of the state of Utah or, or United States, I have to ask the question, did you follow due process of law? And the power that you're, the only power I can grant you is it, from the judicial branch regarding political arguments is to instruct them to discharge the, their duties, which is the writ of mandamus. So, go ahead. Let's say that I came back to you with the argument. You're the judge, remember? And I come back to you with the argument and I say, Your Honor, this court has taken an oath of office to defend and protect the Constitution against all enemies. Uh, seeking to get a certificate right now empowers the enemy to continue until that's resolved. And because we're in an act of war and because under the the redress of grievances and your and their violation of the oath of office, I would move the court that they go ahead and allow this case to continue and deny their motion to dismiss because they claim that we didn't have standing. Why again? Is because if you take the Ninth Amendment and tie it to the first and second clause of the Declaration of Independence, and which says that who that whoever any form of government becomes destructive of these of these ends anything that becomes destructive of your end to protect your god-given rights at then and there if my argument is convincing i would think that you as a judge would have to proceed on that way and say yes in this situation because we're at an act of war and because they have you've accused them of violating their oath of office 
I'm going to deny their motion to dismiss on standing because this needs to be adjudicated immediately. And because now there's not enough time to run and go get that certificate because that enables the, the enemy to continue their destruction. So you're, you're asking, you're asking me as the judge from the judicial branch to subvert the law of my own creation and violate article four, section four separations of powers and take jurisdiction where I don't have it. I can't grant you this relief. Okay. You have to follow the letter of the law. These are the, this is the rule of law. This is how a Republican form of government works. And to finish that comment that you were making, when they come destructive to this ends, it's the right of the people. It's the right of the people, not the right of the judicial branch mm -hmm. to alter, to abolish this and institute new guards for their security and safety. The right mm -hmm. of the people is all political powers inherent in the people. We need to take back this power of political power and start altering, reforming, and abolishing these things, which is exactly what I'm kicking off tonight, actually, on Telegram through uh, KLC American Patriots uh, group. This is what I'm teaching, what I have been teaching since 2017, okay? Even out of the National Archives in DC on the wall, there's a petition to Congress for a divorce. So I because would, that's we don't go to the judicial branch when we have grievances, we go to the legislature. So I would come at you and say, and I say, well, your honor, this is a court that has been set up. It may not be an Article Three court, uh, but apparently this court has been endowed with powers. I don't know that these powers are constitutional, but because they are endowed with powers and because right now you're in a position to stop war, to stop an act against the United States of America, and under your own oath of office, wouldn't you be obligated to, yes, set aside Article 4? Why? Because you have your first primary goal here, your first primary responsibility is to protect the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, no matter what they come in. And if you're in a position of power and you can stop it, you would have an obligation to do that. And I don't think at that time and that situation, you'd be in violation of Article 4 because Article 4 cannot protect acts, uh, acts of treason. It cannot protect an enemy against the Constitution. Anything that attacks the Constitution, your oath of office gives you that power right then and there to do what you can to stop it. So because you would be endowed with some power, I would move you as a judge and I say, Your Honor, but in this situation, I move forward that you dismiss their motion to dismiss and you make them answer this complaint, we go into the discovery and find out they are guilty of my allegations and then adjudicate the case immediately because we're an act of war and they have not denied. And this is the interesting thing about our case is they did not deny. They did not deny that the election is an act of war. They didn't deny that at all. They just kept saying, we have Article 3 standing. We have Article 3 standing. And so again, my argument was, it doesn't matter what you claim you cannot put forth any standing, any argument of standing. You can't promote anything that protects your violation of the oath of office, that protects you, enables you to continue your destruction. Your destruction is going to stop here and now because the judge himself, he has an oath of office. His primary purpose is to protect the Constitution. He can't follow the Constitution when it helps, when it helps protect those that are violating their oath of office. That's his number one primary goal. And so I would move you as a judge and I say, would you consider that argument? 
and let's adjudicate this case. What would you say to that? I, I, I would say my hands are tied. The Constitution limits my powers. I don't, the judicial branch doesn't have this power. This Luther versus Borden. This is a political argument, not a judicial one. The entire judicial branch does not have subject matter jurisdiction. Federalist 45, okay? Before the Constitution, discussing the parts of the Constitution here, what were the powers that were delegated to Congress to declare war and to regulate commerce? Now, the militia being necessary to the security of a free state, a well-regulated militia. This is why the Article 4, Section 4 says on application of the legislature, or the executive okay we don't we don't need permission from the judicial branch to adjudicate whether this is unlawful or not this goes to congress and if congress doesn't do their job this is straight goes to the military this is as, as old as 1553 with the merchant marines this is the real militia which the military is subordinate to the civil power this is the power of the people which is every able-bodied male between the age of 18 to 64, we are automatically duty-bound to be in the militia to defend. And then the organized militia, we call the military, state and federal. Okay, all political power is inherent in the people. This is a political argument. We have to follow the process that is due, and it is quick. If you go into the state legislature with an election petition in proper form and you're demanding this relief and discharging the duties of the office and they do not do that, you could go to the judicial branch straight to the Supreme Court per the common law, which is a writ under original jurisdiction, a writ of mandamus. And then I could say, okay, show me that you went to the legislature. Where's your election petition? Okay, I see that. Now, now I can, I can grant you your writ of mandamus to demand and instruct them to discharge the duties of their office and do the investigation, bring forth the evidence and prosecute them people, because that's the duty of the legislature, not the judicial. Sorry about that. I was having issues with my my uh, volume here. That was a user error, by the way. <laughs> that was a user error. But yeah, so you see... During that exchange between Darren Brunson and Kirk Pendergrass, again, over there at uh, Kirk's Law Corner, you see, I, and, and, and it almost, and, and, I, and it, at some point, uh, Suzanne on her show uh, in, the, in the middle of the streaming, she, she had to interject, uh, you know, nicely, of course. And she said, you know, uh, Darren, I don't want you thinking that this is a, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, we are crushing your heart basically right now because of, you know, everything that Darren and Loy, you know, and the brothers are doing and have been trying to do and what they've been, you know, fighting for, for the last year and a half, Kirk is pretty much destroying their efforts with the letter of the law, the way it's written in the Constitution. And Darren, unfortunately, and listen, first off, major, major, major hat tip to Darren and Loy and, and all of those, be, you know, all the rest of the brothers, I can't remember all their names, but to everyone who is behind this. And a major, major hat tip to every single American civilian out there who wrote letters and sent letters to the Supreme Court backing up this case. 
See, I think this was a step in the right direction because what it did is it created, it was a very high profile case and it gained a lot of attention and, and attraction among the civilian population. Now, I don't think this case completely was a waste. Now, why do I say that? Well, Jason, Supreme Court, uh, you know, threw it out and, and, and they said that they're going to, you know, they're going to, you know, um, you know, try to, you know, get them to look it over again. I forgot what the official wording was, but see, that's not the way it's going to go. See, this, this case is not how we're going to win again, back to the assembly of the people. Okay. Assembling our 38 plus states and assembling our counties. That is where we're going to win. Now, the reason I say that this case is not a waste is because of the amount of attention that this garnered. When all else fails through taking the different actions that Kirk, because right now, I'm going to tell you right now, Kirk and Darren, they're in constant contact right now. After this show that happened on Friday, they're talking and they're you know, there is, again, there's things that are occurring. There's different pieces of this puzzle that are taking place, which is going to basically get the restoration of this Republic once and for all, where we have power back to the people. And we could tell the 1871, con you know, services contract administration, um, you can go pound sand. We don't need you anymore because we, the people have reseated enough seats to now where the military will look at the civilian population as the authority that they will submit their power to. Okay. Now, <clears throat> um, so there is, they are in contact and they're emailing back and forth. Um, and they're, you know, CCing, uh, Destry in the email as well. Now, the reason I say this is important is because of the popularity of this case and the name Brunson is now kind of becoming a household name across America. This audience that they have the attention of could very well be used to explain what the assembly is, why the assembly is important, why the people must assemble, why we must assemble our common law grant, you know, jurist. So the audience, and that's a lot of people, Okay, the audience that they have they have garnered and, and the attention they have gotten can be used in a very productive manner to put out put forth the information about the National Assembly and why this is the only lawful way that we hold the judicial, the executive, and the legislative branches accountable. This is the only way. So this case really is not a waste, in my opinion. And like Zero in Michigan pointed out, I agree. It exposes what needed to, you know, to what, what needed to follow through. Now, this case may have gotten thrown out, and some people may say, well, this was a waste of time then. Was it? Or was it just another piece of the puzzle, again, to get people to wake up? Because again, Let's be real. This case was very effective in gaining attention. Now, could they have known that this case would not go through? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. From the sounds of Darren, he was having some pretty high hopes that this would actually be a win. But if nothing else, again, let's not let this case go to waste. It, again, it got the attention of a lot of people. And we can't allow that 
to be wasted. Now, let's listen to another piece with Destry because he chimed in regarding the military requisitions. Let's listen to this. It's about three and a half minutes. Yeah, I'm still here. Um, there is one more step. If the executive branch fails, they violate the Constitution, they violate the law. You've got the military to a requisition. That's your next step. But with what we're doing with our assemblies, because the whole dang system is garbage, we have to reseat all the offices on the DJR side interim till we have enough seats filled that we can come out of interim and inform that corporation their, serv- their 1871 contracted services are no longer required. That takes care of the problem at large. But for immediate relief, you got to go up the rungs of the ladder and you got to carry the evidence with you that you've executed everything you can. Yep. Well, so like well, Kirk mentioned, when the executive branch fails, then you take it to the next step military. Well, then no, the executive branch is the military, commander in chief, Texas v. White. Now, yeah. here's what I want to enlighten people on here is executive orders done by the commander in chief, because an executive order is a military order to execute the law. My oath in the Marine Corps was to uphold and defend this nation from foreign and domestic enemies. But we're also taught we are to disobey any direct order that is in direct violation of the Constitution. I didn't know that. You were actually taught that in the military to disobey Yes, sir. That? Oh, yes, wow. absolutely. We I sat in, that, in class and was taught the Constitution, the Geneva Convention. We are to disobey any order, direct order, wow. that is in direct violation of the Constitution, and we are to go to the next higher in command and report that officer. I don't think they do that now. Oh, yes, they do. That, they take that same type now. of oath even today? Yes, sir. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, we are bound to support and defend this nation called America from foreign and domestic enemies. Domestic enemies is internal insurrection, an attempt to overthrow the Constitution war against the people. Luther versus Borden, Texas v. White. It's already been discussed. Now, this is what many people are not aware of, is the executive orders from Trump right out of the gate. 2016, 2017, and I'll go with the Executive Order 13818. Those involved in serious human rights abuse and corruption worldwide. Okay, that has been extended, been extended again, because that state of emergency with that we are under war, because we are at war. Okay, so this goes back to why I'm trying to emphasize Article 4, Section 4 so much here, because this is all put in place and they're waiting for us to file our criminal complaints. They're waiting for us because all power is in the people. We have to follow the letter of the law in order for them to instruct the military to do their job. Why because the military up? can't act unless we tell them to. Well, if you're a Current point for is- justice and the Brunson case came to you today, how would you rule? Again, I would ask you first show me the evidence that you filed an election petition. Show me that the legislature failed to discharge the duties of their office okay here's the thing about remedy and relief you have to exhaust all of the remedy remedy is due process of law available remedy did you follow the law 
show me, prove it to me, convince me, show me the letter of the law, because you're supposed to be the law sayer here. You have to bring the letter of the law. Show me what it says and says, look, it says this, I did this. It says this, I did this. And they fail to do their job. And it's my job in the military to defend your right to do that and I to defend I, secure and safety of the republic. So I think I understand your argument because what you'd want to do is you want to you would want to adhere strict adhesions to the three branches of government, to oh, yes. the rule of law. And so when I bring forth a, a complaint and they say, hey, uh, Biden is an enemy. He's destroying America every single day that he's there. He lied and cheated. You're going to say, so what? You go back and you go get your certificate first. Meanwhile, he continues his destruction. And then if I can't get my certificate, which there's no way in heck it would ever happen in today. And then even after I got, if I were to get some kind of certificate, there's no way that I could give it to Biden or Kamala Harris or anybody. But, no, I wouldn't include Kamala Harris, but in the sheriff department, the military department, any executive branch, any executive officer of, of, of government, you find anyone that you think they can carry that out. They're not. It ain't going to happen today. So I'm saying in 2023, I would think you would say, listen, we got some cleaning up to do. So I'm going to accept your rent. And I'm going to remove, remove them from office. And I'm going to start teaching what needs to be done because this battleship is still wrecked. You got to kind of go in and give it heart surgery. Yeah. So again, back to what Kurt was saying, the power of the people, okay, that the military is waiting for the people. Okay. I've always said this. I've continuously said this and it's not coming directly from me. I'm just parroting again. It's the powers have always been inherently through the people, but right now it's the military that is running this nation right now. Okay. But again, per the requisitions, those were, those are the basic, um, orders, if you will, by the people in assembly that have been put forward that the military is carrying out. However, they we cannot complete what we need to complete until we get all of our states, you know, at least 38 of them. OK, three quarters. We need 38 out of the 50 states, because, again, in order for the power to truly be back in the people, it has to be by the letter of the law, it has to be by the Constitution. And this ladies and gentlemen, is why we are going to be reading through the Constitution. And tomorrow, like I said, we are going to be reading Article 1, and then we're going to finish Section 6 through 10. And then we'll continue the next day on Article 2. This is very important. People need to start understanding what the Constitution says, and we will continuously read it throughout the months, off and on. Okay, I'm not going to put it on repeat, but we are going to keep touching back on it. Once in a while, maybe we'll go to the fundamental orders of 1638, because that is also very important. Okay. Sometimes maybe what we'll do is we'll read the Declaration of Independence. Maybe we'll reference the uh, Field Training Manual 2000-25, um, which was released by the War Department back in 1928, which again instructs our military how to restore a republic, how to restore a nation to a, back to a republic from a democracy. Okay, now Kurt is very, very knowledgeable in law and in military law and the Constitution. As you can tell, he very was very eloquent when it came to, well, when he was stating his case and how he would rule. I mean, basically, in a nutshell, what he was telling Darren Brunson, look, regardless of the fact that Congress did not investigate the 2020 election, 
okay? Yes, you may see it as an act of war, an act of treason, okay? You may see it as a national emergency, right? Maybe be declared or maybe looked at as a whatever. What the what Kirk is saying is the judge, yes, he has an oath to uphold. However, let's not forget, even though he has an, an oath to uphold the Constitution, all these lawyers or, or all these judges, most of them, I would imagine, I can't, I, I can't say for certain all of them, but I got to imagine most of them are bar card holding lawyers or attorneys. And the bar is a British accreditation registry. So again, they also have another oath to a foreign nation, a foreign power. But again, per the Constitution, they do have to abide by the constructs of that, regardless of their oath of any other um, nation via the bar. And so basically what Kirk was telling Darren, as much as you'd like to say, your honor, you, 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 you know, we are at war and, and this has to happen. Well, the judge is just basically flat out saying, I can't do this. Now he's saying it without saying it. I can't do this. I don't have jurisdiction. This is beyond the reaches of my power. Hence why the constitution exists. And what Darren was trying to make the case is, well, but your honor, lives are being lost. Treason is being committed. We have an administration called the Biden regime that is that is that is basically flat out criminal and is steamrolling the American people. But again, the judge is saying, I have to stay within the restraints, the constraints of the Constitution. That is why it's there. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the late it's the people in assembly that will help get the accountability we need. It's not through the judges. It's through the people. Two more short sound pieces. Here's another one by, uh, with Destry where he was talking about uh, giving an example about how um, you know permission was asked by Obama by the people in the assembly to invade Syria. Yeah, defending, I can defend I'm myself. Defending my, I'm defending my right to live in America under a free king. You know, by... Who's stopping you? I, I think Destry would like to... Inter to Destry, you have the floor. Yes, thank you. I want to bring up an example. Obama, September 10th, 2013, Commander-in-Chief, asked us in Michigan for permission to invade Syria. We had to issue a rebuttal. We told him, no, you do not have our permission. He did not invade Syria. I'm bringing this up as an example that regardless of how evil they are, even they are bound to law if applied in the correct and proper manner. We did it. We have control over the commander in chief as a body politic, as the people. They are still bound. You have to go through the process and do it correct and proper. And that's what Kirk's trying to teach. I yield. And again, there is a key word there, process. There is a specific process that needs to be followed through. It's funny because Zero in Michigan said it right here. He must, being the judge, he or she, must follow procedure and processes. Okay? 
again, back to what Donald Trump said during his presidency and even after his presidency. We have to do things according to the rule of law. You see, if we don't think, do things according to the rule of law and follow a process in proper procedures, especially with what, where, how it's laid out in the Constitution, we don't have a solid structure in our nation. Okay, because we got to remember, our founding documents that our founders put together, again, was all divinely inspired by God, our Creator in Heaven, our Heavenly Father. Okay, the Holy Bible is our first law book. It is also a history book. It is a guidebook. It is a, um, how do I want to say it? It, 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 the Bible has so many purposes, but yet so many people fail to read it, which is why I love reading it. Okay, this might be the most boring podcast to most people if you're listening to Joe Rogan, right? If we get the Joe Rogan crowd over here, if we get people from uh, X22, right? Even even that, right? We might be at his hard line, a very boring platform for many. They're like, oh man, they're just talking about God, the Constitution, the Assembly, and stuff like that. Yes, we are, and you know what? It's because this is the only method: God first, and then the law which again was divinely um, inspired by God. This is how we restore our nation. This is how we restore our republic. And if you desire to be free and sovereign and to really truly live a life in the pursuit of happiness, this is how we get there. Okay, this is how we get there. Now, the last little piece I want to play before we close this out with a prayer is basically it's is uh it's the ending of her show Lights of the Round Table again by Susanna Mahoney. Check it out. She did an excellent, excellent job. And let me just explain to you. So again, I was invited to be on this panel with Destry, and originally it was supposed to be Lloyd Brunson and who else? Uh Margie and I forgot her husband's name, but who have are very uh, boy, I feel bad now that I can't remember their names. But there was another uh couple who are constitutionalists that were that were invited. I couldn't be on it, so then I dropped out. So then it was supposed to be just Destry, Loy, Brunson, and then this couple, Margie and her husband. Then <clears throat> um because I wasn't on it. Destry emailed Susanna saying, hey, could we get Kirk Pendergrass on here with Kirk's Law Corner? Because he would be an excellent panelist regarding this conversation. And she, so then she calls me up, asked me, hey, what do you know of Kirk from Kirk's Law Corner? I did a quick research and I couldn't find much, but like, what, what, like, what can you tell me? I said, well, I'll tell you this. I would like to have him on my podcast. So if you have the opportunity to have him on your show, jump on it because he's a very knowledgeable individual when it comes to military law and the constitution and, 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 and all the other cases that have occurred, you know, he's just, you could tell he's very well versed. And then Lloyd Brunson wasn't able to be on the show. But again, as you can hear, his brother, Darren got on the show, everything that occurred here was very God led because it was supposed to be Lloyd. Then somehow got to Darren being on the show 
And then instead of me and Destry being the primary people on uh, the lights of the round table, it ended up being Kirk Pendergrass and basically being an exchange, which was a very beautiful, awesome, knowledgeable learning, you know, exchange between the two of them. Cause I think Darren Brunson learned something from Kirk and something that we all need to pay attention to because there's a lot of stuff Kirk talked about in that roundtable that we can learn. Yes, it was a very productive conversation. I agree. Zero Michigan was just saying this in the chat, but yes, it was a very productive conversation. And so this was a conversation in my humble estimation that was God led. You see, I would love to have awesome guests on this show. Sometimes it'll happen. Sometimes it might not happen. I don't know, but see, and, and of course, I would love to be on other shows as well. But here's the thing. In my opinion, I would have not have been, and I'm being completely honest with you, I would have not have been a good panelist. Why? Because I don't have the knowledge and the, 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 the amount of years of study that Kirk had. Now, Destry also a very, very knowledgeable individual because he lived the experience. Me, I'm still learning. So I even told Susanna, I am humbled and appreciative that you thought of me, but unfortunately I'll be, I'm in, I'm in Florida, but Destry was a good person to be on there. Kirk was a great man to be on that show because again, he brought the letter of the law. Now here's the last little piece from the lights of the round table. Very well said, sir. So where can we normal Americans start? Picking your brains again, where can we start? Destry, is there a place where we can go and visit and get educated on and assisting you actually on what it is that restructuring, reconstructing fundamentals, the, 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 the foundations of this nation? So we have a barrier as we the people protecting our annual rights against the tyranny of a government. So we don't ever see this again. Where can we go? What website do you have that we can? Go to and inform us a little bit more. I've got national-assembly.net. That's our main site for restoring original jurisdiction and putting an end to the destructive abuses of the legal and law enforcement industries. Very well. I'll put that. Uh, yes, go ahead, sir. Sorry. Yeah. Um, simply returning to self-governing and in completing the contract of 1863 until the people return to self-governing the military is to run the country that was a contract in 1863 general orders 100. we are completing that contract by reassembling re-inhabiting those offices and informing the corporation we no longer need their contracted services to act in our offices i yield well said I also want to alert people that there is a great guy named Jason uh, from his hard line, which I follow from time to time. Um, and he is uh, his podcast actually supports the assemblies, too. So uh, they do discuss that very well. They discuss and I think he uh, does it daily and often. I think Destry, you are there too, or participate or somewhat support Kirk. You have your own channels. What are those channels, sir? Kirk's Law Corner, uh, Rumble, uh, Facebook page, 
YouTube channel, which, of course, anytime I talk about even mentioning election anything, they they've now gotten a second strike again. I took about a year off because I they were trying to take my channel down. So um, uh, the other way is Telegram channel. Everything is Kirk's Law Corner. Uh, yeah. You can also go to Kirk'sLawCorner.com. Yeah, so Kirk'sLawCorner.com. Check it out. Every Monday, typically, he has a live. Um, follow his Telegram. You can go to Telegram, type in Kirk's Law Corner. You should be able to find it. I just followed him myself because he's got some good information over there. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, God is bringing people together. People who are very knowledgeable. Listen, he, Kirk is very knowledgeable with the law and military law. Destry is very knowledgeable with how to, um, you know, with the constructs of what's going on and how to, you know, basically restore a republic again. If you haven't listened to my 17 part series, go to hishardline.com. I read the training manual 2000 25, okay, all the way through. It's 17 parts, so it's easily digestible. And again, what the 2000 25 manual is all about is how to restore a nation to uh back to a republic from a democracy okay fdr wanted that destroyed and so there's many other men and women that are in the assembly that is helping this process how to restore our nation back to a republic it is a process ladies and gentlemen it is not a sexy process i know it's not you know why it's not a sexy process? Because it's not going in the time frame that we all would like it to. But nothing ever does. But remember, this will happen. This is going to happen one way or another. And Kirk is putting together his assembly in Idaho. There's people from Lena's show that, that follow Lena on the Power, Passion, Freedom show. There's a big group of people that listen to her podcast, her streams, her live streams, who want to become an assembly member. We are getting our nation back. But it has to go through this process. Now, hopefully, we are coming near, I don't want to say near the end, but hopefully we are coming closer to a res, you know, resolution and a and a conclusion to a lot of this so then we can start then at that point getting not just once we get the power back to the people but then really start trending upwards from that point forward once we get our 38 plus states and we will get them okay and so we will continuously put out more information as more updates occur with the assembly as more states um put out their public notice i would like to get uh, a, a gal from uh, georgia lisa um, who is in the Georgia Assembly, a very knowledgeable lady. I would like to get her on the show because we were talking. She was asking me. She sent a text wondering, hey, um, how do you how do you bring up the assembly and prospect people um, in conversation? And I said, you know, I've been thinking about doing a show regarding that. And I said, really, it shouldn't sound like a sales pitch. It should be organic. It should come up in natural conversation. And I think that would be a really good show to have. And so I'd like to have her on kind of as a guest to explain, not really to explain, not, there's nothing for me to explain, but to basically have a conversation 
on what that looks like when you're presenting the National Assembly to the common man or woman out there who, you know, um, watches Netflix all day, right? But they're sick and tired of what they're seeing, you know, happen with their country and with their government. Um, and, you know, I explain kind of, you know, I, I will maybe we'll have a conversation that kind of demonstrates what that kind of looks like, but it has to happen organically. You can't have it sound like a, you know, a timeshare sales pitch. No one's going to listen to that. Okay. It has to be organic. So anyways, like I said, a little bit of a longer show. And the only reason I broke my hour rule is because I don't have, um, you know, a little daughter to, you know, tuck in right now. So I figured, you know what? I wanted to go a little longer here, but tomorrow morning or not tomorrow morning, but tomorrow, um, we will, you know, obviously do a reading out of Isaiah chapter 46. And then we're going to continue reading the constitution continue and we'll finish up article one and then section six through 10. So we will do that. And then followed by the next day, we'll do article two and we'll continue on until we end reading the constitution. Cause again, folks, it's so important that you hear it, that you listen to it. If you're not going to read it, just come here to his hard line and we'll just put it in bite-sized pieces in conversation format. So it's easy to hear and maybe hopefully you'll retain something from it. Cause it's very, very important. You know, and hear and even read, I suggest reading it at least once, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the Fundamental Orders of 1638. These are very important documents. So anyway, let's get to a prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you so much for this day. I really appreciate another day of life and good health for not just myself, but my wife, our daughter, for the people here, this community for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray for the family, for the wife and the two children of uh, my coworker, Dustin, fellow truck driver who lost his life yesterday, just trying to get to work and provide for his family, doing his job, doing what a man should be doing. Allow him to rest in peace and give his family solace and help heal their broken hearts. Obviously, this thing takes time. Allow the family to be taken care of. Guide that family. And guide every you know truck driver out there, every police officer out there, every construction worker out there, every military service member and first responder. Guide all of them and keep them safe. We have a lot of good men and women, and unfortunately, sometimes we know, Father, when you say it's time for them to come home, it's time for them to come home. It's hard to understand it, but we know you have a rhyme and a reason for everything that happens. And so we just pray that you help that family. Father, we also pray for our nation. We pray that we can finally get resolve and resolution and come to a conclusion where we can finally get our 38 plus states here in assembly. Get the power back to the people so that we may continue to move forward to restoring our republic. God, let this happen sooner than later, if you could. I know things are all on your time frame, and I'm not going to rush you, but it would be great if we could see some resolve and things kind of to be more in an ex, um, in, uh, expedited manner. But again, that's just my own wish. But I, I do thank you for all that you do, God. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, 
We pray all this in your holy son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody in the chat, Zero in Michigan, was asking, where was the accident located? It was actually down in Niles on US-12, right off US-31. It was a very bad accident. Very, very bad accident. Um, Like I said, the propane driver killed instantly. And uh, Dustin, who was the fuel hauler, fellow fuel hauler, he was taken to the hospital. Um, His cab of the truck, when I saw the photos, the cab of his truck was just pushed all the way back into his trailer. Yes, uh, Niles, Michigan. And so it was it was a very, very tragic scene. And um, I just hope that the uh, company, you know, helps, you know, take care of the wife here and helps navigate through all this, you know, unfortunate, you know, stuff that you have to go through. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's getting worse out there. I mean, I'd be very curious to see what happened, which led the propane driver to cross a huge, large grassy median because it was a very large median. It wasn't just crossing the center line. I mean, this propane truck not only went into the median, but went across literally, probably if I had to take a guess, roughly about 20 yards worth of median in width and then entered into oncoming traffic and, and, uh, and, and smacked head on with, uh, with dust in there. So yeah, it's a very, very sad, uh, you know, uh, you know, amount of events. Um, no, it wasn't a tire blowout. Somebody asked if it was a steer tire blowout. No, it, it everything was, not, there was no tire blowout at all. Um, it'd be very interesting to see what happened there. I don't know if maybe the guy had a heart attack or stroked out. I don't know. We'll find out maybe more, but uh, yeah, we'll see. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, listen, on one final note before we close this out, you know, we think we go to work, you know, when we all, when we all, wake up in the morning or afternoon, right? We think and assume, we assume that we're going to make it to work on time in one piece. We think we're going to, you know, go through our work day and then make it home in one piece. And there's nothing more that makes me more sad when I see crosses on the side of the highway And sometimes you see photos put up by these crosses and they look like such young people. And you hear these stories of people that get in these accidents. One of them, like I said, I know the Bible says fear not, but one of my biggest fears and figure this one out. I happen, there's two, there's two things that I really kind of actually fear. If I can be honest with you, actually three spiders. I absolutely hate spiders, but that's beside the point. Um, I've always hated the thought of being burned alive or dying in a car accident. And then here I am hauling a fuel, you know, hauling a, you know, I'm a truck driver hauling fuel, a 130,000 pound vehicle. That is a fire hazard. Nonetheless, that, you know, can blow up and and burn in an inferno of hell. And, uh, (laughs) here I'm doing a job that actually could literally, literally, um, make both those fears come to fruition, uh, at the same time. Hopefully that never does happen, but yeah, I've always hated the idea of dying in a car accident and a, in a motor vehicle accident or burning alive. So I ask for you all of your prayers that I 
am kept safe on the road because I do see the results and feel the results of strong prayer. I have stories I could tell you, which maybe I'll tell you on a different show. Um, but um, yeah, just be safe out there, ladies and gentlemen. The road, being behind a car, a truck, a semi, it's its no joke. You should not be texting, all right? Take your driving responsibilities very serious. Don't, don't, don't act like it's... Um, don't act like it's, you know, like it's, you know, doing your makeup. All right. It's a very dangerous thing we all do daily that we don't think about the actual present danger that always lurks. And maybe you're a safe driver, but you still have to be aware of the nut job crazies out there that are distracted. And so with that, I just, I, I pray for everybody's safety here and I pray for all of your good health. And thank you for joining us here at His Hard Line. Because again, we're, we're firm, we're, you know, we're steadfast and we're uncompromising and we won't let the enemy cross that line. That's why we read out of the Bible. This is why we are going over the Constitution, because we need to learn what the line is that we can't allow to be crossed. All right. So wherever you're at in the world, I wish you a good night, a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at in the world. And God bless. We'll be back here tomorrow. All right. Bye bye, ladies and gentlemen. No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in here at His Heart Line. Really appreciate you. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family. Just copy the link. Shoot it via text. You could share it on social media. I don't care if you got to put it up in smoke signals. Just get it out there. And don't forget to check out the website, www.hisharline.com. And join us here every single day. We operate six out of the seven days a week. And remember, as it states in Joshua 1.9, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't forget, don't forget, sovereignty itself is of course not subject to law, for it is the author and source of law. But in our system, while sovereign powers are delegated to the agencies of government, sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom all government exists and acts. We'll see you back here next time.